0: Guess what, church? We're not joining with all of our campuses today because Pastor Rob invited campus pastors to preach this part in our series that we're in, talking about 10 qualities that move us from being believers to being disciples. And uh, we've been following along in a book with that title, 10 Qualities That Move You from a Believer to a Disciple by Dennis uh, Rouse. Many of you have picked up this book and you're reading along. Uh, We still have some copies of it, and a few out at the Welcome Center, you can pick that up. I encourage you to do that and to uh, read along as we've been going week to week to week. This has been a great series. We've titled it Kingdom Culture, talking about how we live as disciples of Jesus Christ in this world. And we're about halfway through. This is week five of the series. And uh, in the first week, uh, we talked about how a person who is a disciple is someone who is passionately committed to Jesus, Not to a belief system, not to a philosophy, uh, not to a religion, but to a person. A disciple is committed to becoming more like Jesus Christ. In the second week, we talked about how disciples have an extraordinary love for people. And uh, it's a challenging message for us. It's challenging us to have a love that reflects the value that Jesus puts on every person in this world. And if we're a disciple we're going to recognize that the two greatest commandments are to love God with all of our heart and to love people like ourselves. That wraps up all of the commandments right there, Jesus said. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we we had our hometown uh, weekend, home team weekend, where we had lots of different speakers and communicators at all of our different services, and they all talked about uh, how a disciple needs to have the heart of a servant, how we need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone, be willing to serve and make a difference in our world. And then last week, Pastor Rob talked to us about how a disciple is a person who is just, a person who is generous. And where a believer may step into God's grace, we may receive forgiveness, we may receive eternal life, if we're going to truly become a disciple, we then need to pursue justice and and generosity and recognize that, again, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So that's where we've been. And uh, looking forward to what we're going to talk about today, another one of those qualities of living as disciples of Jesus. But before I tell you what that quality is, I'm going to keep you in suspense just for a couple minutes. And I want to talk to you about, first, why I think that this series matters. And isn't it important to know why we talk about what we talk about? I think that's super important. And um, I think sometimes in our, in our world, we fall into this trap of thinking that, that all we need to do is believe in God, I've had many conversations with people and the conversation comes around to, well, I I mean, I believe in God and um, isn't that enough? Um, Not really. Because believing in God, here's what believing in God does. Believing in God, it puts us on the same level as the devil and his demons. That's what believing in God does for us. James chapter two, verse 19 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. See, even the demons believe in God. Believing in God isn't enough. So you might say, well, okay, I've taken it a step further, and I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, okay? My sins are forgiven. Um, I know I'm going to heaven, and so that's what matters, right? Praise um, Praise God. I don't ever want to minimize the importance of receiving Jesus as your Savior, of receiving the free gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. But I got to tell you, if just getting to heaven was the goal, that would be enough. But getting to heaven isn't the goal, getting to heaven is the reward. Praise God, I'm looking forward to going to heaven more than just about anything in the world. I can't wait to experience God's presence in heaven. But heaven isn't the goal. Jesus set the bar even a little bit higher than that. We have a greater purpose than just getting to heaven. Maybe you remember some of the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you and be sure of this i am with you always even to the end of the age you see the goal isn't just to get to heaven the goal for you is not just to get to heaven the goal is to bring as many people with you when you go to heaven that's the goal Being a believer who has accepted God's God's grace, that just puts us one step above the devil. But I don't think that's where we should stay. God has greater plans for us than to just exist one step above the devil. And so that's why I believe Jesus spent so much time uh, teaching his disciples, teaching his followers about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of heaven is was like. Over and over and over in the New Testament, Jesus gives examples of what the kingdom of heaven is like and how it's it's so much different than the world that we live in. And I think Jesus wants us to understand this, that there is this world that we live in. It's a world that was created perfect. We read about it in Genesis, chapter 1, 2, 3, Genesis, the world was created perfect, but Sin destroyed that perfection. Disobedience cracked and fractured the perfection of this world that God made. And and I got to tell you, all of the hurts and all of the pain, all of the the suffering and the brokenness of all of those things that we experience in the world today is a result of the sin and the separation that sin caused between us and our creator, a holy and a righteous God. Sin broke the perfection of this world. I was at a funeral this week, somebody who died way too soon. And I was reminded again at this celebration of her life that that this life that we live is so temporary. And this life that we live can be filled with, with fear. It can be filled with pain and sorrow when we're apart from God. But I was also reminded of something else. I was reminded that even in the middle of the brokenness and in the pain of this world that we all experience, there is another kingdom at work. There's another kingdom at work. There's another reality that that overlaps this existence that we mistakenly, I think, so often refer to as the real world. See, we call this the real world, but that's not the way God talks about this world. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. you ever think life feels that way sometimes? Like it doesn't make sense. Like what am I missing? There's got to be more. There is. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely Just as God now knows me completely. You see, there is another reality at work, and that other reality is the kingdom of God. And our mission as disciples of Jesus is to bridge the gap between the brokenness of this world and the perfection of God's kingdom that's coming. And if we're going to live out that reality, it's going to look different than how the world lives. I believe Christians should live differently than the world. I believe the way that we live should look different than what the world lives, and that's why we're talking about kingdom culture. That's why our lives need to reflect the culture of heaven. That's why our behavior should mirror the behavior of our Savior, Jesus Christ, instead of what often is such the destructive and misguided ways of living that leads so many away from God's best for their lives. Are you with me this morning? Do you want your life to reflect the greater reality of the kingdom of heaven, or do you just want your life to reflect the world around you? I grew up going to a, um, a small Baptist church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, South Kent Baptist Church. And uh, when I was growing up in church, when I was a, a little kid, we, uh, we used to have this thing called Sunday school. And uh, we would come to Sunday school, and as a kid, we'd go into these little classrooms, and they'd make us sing these weird songs. All oh, these silly songs. And, and uh, like I was singing about some of these songs getting ready for this week. I was thinking, how about this one? Father Abraham had many sons. you ever hear that? Many sons had father. Okay, don't sing anymore. It's going to get stuck in your head for, like, the rest of your life. Um, but I mean, I still remember as a kid think, singing that had many sons. Had father. What about the girls? Like they had to sing, "I'm one of them." No, it's, these songs are crazy, aren't they? They're just silly songs. How about this one? Um, maybe you remember this one. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Like they're trying to raise a bunch of little pyromaniacs. What? <laughs> what are they teaching us with these songs? Oh, and then we had uh, then, then we sang the spelling songs. Remember the spelling songs? I am a C. I am a C-H, I am a C-H. And then I couldn't remember it because I was just a kid and I didn't know how to spell all these words, right? <laughs> but there was one spelling song that, um, that always did make sense to me. It was a simple one. Maybe you remember this one. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Good job. Give yourselves a hand. That was good. Love it. That one I understood. The Bible, the word of God, I stand on the word of God, whether I stand alone or whether I stand with others, this is the only thing that I'm gonna base my life on and that's what we're talking about today because a disciple is governed by the authority of the word of God. That's what we're talking about today. A disciple is gonna live their life governed by the authority of God's word and that word governed stood out to me when I was reading the chapter in the book this week and, and I couldn't help but thinking a couple years ago, when we were getting ready to remodel this room, and, and we did new carpet and new chairs and everything in this room, um, my friend Jason Whitehead and I uh, rented a semi-truck and drove out to Michigan. And Well, he drove. He drove. I rode. He's got the license. My license doesn't permit me to drive a big rig like that. But we went to pick up all the chairs that you're sitting in uh, today, which, by the way, are the most comfortable chairs of any River Valley campus you can go to. <laughs> Pastor Rob even said so. So... Congratulations for that. But as we, were, uh, as we were driving, we had to deal with the fact that the truck that we rented would top out at about 68 or 69 miles per hour <laughs> because the truck that we had rented uh, tucked into that diesel powerhouse engine under the hood was something called a governor, which limited how fast the truck would go. And so for 800 miles, we worked our way all the way to Michigan and back. And uh, all at about 68 miles an hour while other cars were just flying by us and getting mad at us because it's all the faster we could go. How many of you know somebody that you think could use a governor on their car? (laughs) How many of them are sitting next to you right now? (laughs) But truth be told, the governor on an engine, it's not there to just ruin your drive, right? It's there to protect you from going too fast. It's there to maybe um, provide the optimal fuel efficiency for the vehicle. There are reasons that that there are governors placed on engines. And, and I didn't come to talk to you about engines today, but it is just a simple illustration of one of the realities for us, and that's this, in our lives, uh, there are things in our lives that govern our decisions, that govern our actions, that, that will be a predominant uh, influence over our lives. There's a governor that we have over our lives. And I'm challenging us today. I want us to take a look at our lives and ask ourselves, what is that thing that I'm giving the authority to have that influence in my life? What is that thing that I'm using as a limiter in my life to, to help me make decisions? And I hope today that, that you're going to join me in my desire for that thing in my life to be God and his word, the, th- the one that created me, the one that knows me better than I know myself. You see, I want, I want God to have the predominant influence over my life. God is the one that knows everything, not me. God is the one that's all-powerful, not you. God is everywhere all the time. God loves us. God cares for us. God is good. God is wise. God has revealed himself to us through his word. And that's good news for us today because we have a loving heavenly father who created the universe. He created us. He created us in his image, but he didn't leave us without direction on this earth. 2 Timothy three sixteen, It says, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. I love what David wrote in Psalm 32. He said, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I love that. And I love that the Bible is full of, of stories of God's people throughout the ages. And I love that it, it tells the good and the bad and the beautiful and the ugly. It talks about their successes and their failures. There's, there's nothing whitewashed or there's, there's nothing that's bleached in the, in the stories. It, it's all there, their wins, their weaknesses. And all of this is there to help us as we live in this complex world that we live in. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, these things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So you might say, okay, pastor, I, I kind of get that. Something's gonna govern my life. But why would I or why should I allow God's word to be the thing that governs me? Let me just give you a couple reasons. Here's one, because I think believing the word of God is the option that we have that makes the most sense. There's other options. There's things that we could, other things that we could look to to govern our lives. But so many of those just don't make sense. Let me tell you what I mean. Atheism doesn't make sense. Atheism says that everything in the universe was an accident. That everything came from nothing. But if things were an accident, doesn't that mean that there's no higher moral law? or nor code of ethics or anything to govern our lives? I mean, does that simply mean that, that it's the strong survive, it's eat or be eaten? That seems like a miserable way to live, doesn't it? Some people look to like New Age concepts, but those don't make sense to me. New Age concepts claim that we, we are gods or that we're evolving into some sort of God, but that doesn't make sense to me. You want to know why? Because I know me. And I know you. And I have my doubts about all of us. Other religions don't make sense. You either have to believe that, that there are countless gods that we're trying to appease or, or that maybe we're going to be reincarnated as some other kind of life form or maybe we're going to find something in nothingness or, or, or maybe we have to follow the example of men who are far from perfect, let alone sinless. But as we read the Bible, as we read the truth about God, the truth about people, as we read the truth about life, we read the story of redemption, as we read the Bible, it tells us that we're sinners. I don't know about you, but that's something that resonates with me. Again, I know me, and I look at the ways that I mess up. I look at the ways that I fall short of the standards that I sometimes set for myself. It's not hard for me to recognize that I fall short of God's standards. No matter how hard I try, there are times I still mess up. The story of God, the story of the Bible tells us that God loves us so much. And God knows us so deeply that he knows we could never do it on our own. We could never be good enough on our own. We could never pay the price of our own sin. And so God in his love, he made the ultimate sacrifice and he paid the price. He took the punishment that I deserve because justice still matters. God's word tells a story of a broken world that's being restored and that there's a part that I play in that. There's a part that you play in that. It makes sense to me that following Jesus is more than drudgery. It's, it's, it's the greatest adventure that I can live. It makes sense to me that the unchangeable truths in God's word, they apply today just like they applied thousands of years ago because human nature hasn't changed and because human needs are the same and the Bible speaks to those needs, so it makes sense. But that's not the only reason. Another reason that we can trust in God's word is because the Bible is proven over time to be the most prophetically accurate book of all time. There are hundreds of prophecies written throughout the Old Testament concerning the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. These were written hundreds of years before any of these events ever took place. And all of them are fulfilled in the person and the work and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And others may try to discount that, but the more we discover, the more we, uh, evidence we find, the more we see that there's truth and that these things are accurate. I don't have time to go through all of these things. I encourage you, enroll in our Alpha course later this year. It's one of the things we talk about in Alpha. I can't wait. Next year, Jamie and I are leading a team to uh, experience Israel. And uh, I hope that you consider coming with us. our our global experience Israel registration opens in just a couple weeks and uh, we'd love for you to come with us to Israel I can't wait to see the places where where Jesus walked where his footsteps fell I can't wait to see that with my own eyes I'd love for you to join us as we do that another reason that I think we can trust God's word is is that Jesus himself always referred to the word of God as the final authority Jesus always referred to the word of God as the final authority. Others questioned the Bible. Others still questioned the Bible, but Jesus never did. In fact, Jesus perceived the importance of God's word probably more than any other. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. To Jesus, God's words were life itself. In Mark 13... Thirty-one. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Never. That's how our Savior viewed God's word. And Jesus knew that God's word was the final word in any conversation. And I love, did you ever notice that when Jesus spoke, Jesus didn't use the phrase, the Lord says to you. He didn't say, thus saith the Lord or anything like that. You know what he said? I tell you this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. See, Jesus was speaking God's word because Jesus is God. And Jesus understood the power and the authority of his word. And I believe that that's a place that that you and I need to come to if we're truly going to be disciples of Jesus. If we're going to make the shift from becoming a believer to becoming a disciple, you're going to have to decide to use the word of God as your lens for viewing every person, for viewing every possession, for, for, for every pursuit of your life. And it's a choice that we make. It's what Jesus taught his disciples in John chapter 8, when Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Another translation to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, You are really my disciples. Then, catch that word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, sometimes I think we get it backwards. I think we tend to live our lives with kind of this thought that, okay, once I understand everything, then I can believe it. Once I have it all figured out, once it all makes sense to me, then I can move forward. That's the way the world thinks. That's not kingdom thinking. You see, kingdom thinking is upside down, backwards, turned around. If you're going to think the way of the kingdom, Jesus is teaching us this. You need to believe, and then you will understand. If we believe and trust God, then the word of God will make sense, and the truth of God will set us free. This is so important. You see, belief comes before understanding. We want to we understand it all before we believe it. But Jesus says, no, believe it. And then you're going to understand it. Trust precedes illumination. Just like when you walk into a dark room. I mean, if you walk into a dark room, you're trusting that there's not something there that you're going to trip over before you turn the light on. Or if you've been watching Stranger Things, that there's not something in that room that's going to eat you before you turn the light on, right? But once you step in, you trust. Trust comes before illumination. Then you can reach turn the light switch on and in the same way that we trust when we're stepping into the dark room before we turn the light on trust comes before illumination we need to trust god if we're ever going to understand what his truth is and i just and i just got to say this there's a phrase that i keep hearing and reading over and over and over and and uh, and it just it just grinds me the wrong way i guess but i hear people saying this well that's my truth Or that's your truth. I mean, okay, that's your truth, but my truth is, can we just stop? Like, that's dumb. There's no truth in that. It's either truth or it isn't truth. There's only one real source of truth, and that is the one who created truth. And Jesus told us that truth, that real truth, that the only truth is the truth that's found in God's word. And that word is revealed to us through the Bible and through his spoken word, the words that Jesus spoke. And is found in the revelations of the Holy Spirit, who I can tell you this, will never speak something to you that does not line up with God's word. That is truth. That is the truth that has the power to set us free. That is the truth that has the power to cause us to grow, to grow in wisdom, to grow in understanding. That is the truth that isn't optional, that we don't get to decide whether it's truth or not. Truth is truth, and it's stronger than deception. It's stronger than lies. It's stronger than our own understanding, and that truth is the path to living the best life possible. And so what is it going to look like if we're going to live a life governed by the authority of God's word? If we're truly going to be a disciple whose lives are governed by the authority of God's word, I want to give you four things quick. The first one is this. To be governed by God's word, we must know God's word. Thank you, Captain Obvious. If we're going to to be governed by the authority of God's word, we need to know God's word. I have some homework for you this week, okay? Grab a piece of paper, grab something, grab a Connect card, grab something you can write this down on because you've got to take this home. Okay, you're all going to school right now. You have homework today. This week, sometime this week, pick up your Bible and read Psalm 119. Read Psalm 119. Yes, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. In the whole chapter, pray as you're reading it that God would give you a heart after his word like David. Because all through Psalm 119, you will hear the echo of David's cry of his heart, saying, Lord, I want to know your word. Lord, I trust your word. Lord, I need to know your word. God, I'm never going to let go of your word. In Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11, David said, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, if we're going to be governed by the authority of God's word, we've got to know God's word. We've got to get it off the pages of the Bible and get it out of the pages of our heart. And that takes work. That takes effort. It takes commitment. That's why we encourage people to do soap every day. To take a few minutes in your day and to read a scripture, to make an observation, something that stands out to you. To think about how that applies to your life. How can I live this out in my everyday life? And then to take a few moments to just pray and ask God to help you do that soap. It's a tool. It's one of many tools, but it's a tool that you can use to get the word of God inside your heart. So that's the first one. The second thing is this, to be governed by God's word, we must choose to exalt the word over our feelings. Anybody know somebody in your life that lives their life with the only rudder steering the ship, their emotions? There's a lot of people that live that way in this world. I tell you what, the, 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 the if it feels good, do it philosophy of life is alive and well in our world today. But if we're going to live governed by God's word, we cannot allow ourselves to be driven by our emotions. And I know God created us with emotions and, and that those emotions, they serve a purpose. And so I'm not saying that emotions are wrong or that they're bad. But what I am saying is our emotions need to be submitted to God or they almost always will lead us in a wrong direction. Don't live your life being directed by your emotions. Believers may continue to be controlled by their emotions, but disciples must be controlled by the truth of Scripture. Scripture. They need to make the choice based on the truth of God's word, not on their feelings. The third thing is this to be governed by God's word, we must move from only hearing the word to obedience. We've got to move, we've got to shift from just being hearers of God's word to being ready to step out in obedience. Believers will hear messages, they'll read passages of scripture, they will then wait to be moved. Or they'll wait to be convinced that it matters to them. Or they'll wait until all their questions are answered. But disciples, disciples have a predisposition to action on what they hear. It's not enough just to hear it. We've got to do it. We've got to be moving forward. Disciples don't come to church to be entertained. Disciples come to church to be directed by God to action. That's what disciples do. Disciples are already moving forward. They're eager to do whatever God tells them to do. We want to be disciples. We're raising up disciples, not just believers. James 1.22 tells us, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's not enough just to hear it. we got to do it. The fourth thing is this. To be governed by God's word means we must believe his word never fails, regardless of the circumstances. This is so important. Disciples are going to believe that God's word never fails regardless of the circumstances. Listen, I know at different points and in different ways, God is always going to test us to see if we're going to trust him or to see if we're going to give up when things get hard. I don't want that to surprise you. If you read through Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of the heroes of the faith, You can read through that chapter, and you're going to read about all these men and women who did not have it easy. They went through hardships, they went through difficulty, they went through testing. The one thing they all had in common is this they refused to give up, and they never quit trusting God. And sometimes God miraculously showed up, and sometimes God miraculously delivered them from whatever it was that they were walking through but sometimes God didn't. Sometimes they died without receiving the promise, but they never gave up. And they knew, all of them, that God was trustworthy, that God was going to be fully faithful in this life, but God was going to be eternally trustworthy in the next. Remember, this is the world that we don't see clearly yet. This is the world where things don't make sense. This is the world where we don't understand everything and we never will. The next one is when we see clearly. God's word is truth. God's promises are sure. And I believe even though sometimes it may seem like God is slow to answer, when we allow our lives to be governed by the authority of his word, his word will always accomplish his will in our lives. We read one more scripture for you from Isaiah chapter 55. This says the word of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can trust God's word. We can stand on God's word. We can be faithful to God's word. We can know that God's word never fails. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this room filled with believers moving to disciples, filled with disciples longing to be like their savior. God, today, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the parts we understand and the parts that we don't. God, I thank you that all of your word is true and that we can trust it, and that we can allow our lives to be governed by the authority of God's word. So, Lord, I pray that we would be committed to doing that, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it messes with our happiness, even when it messes With our understanding, I pray that we would submit ourselves to you. Because you are good. And you are God. And your ways are higher than our ways. And you're going to accomplish exactly what you want to do through your word. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's take a moment prayer teams you can come and join me across the front as we get ready to close our service today I have these two challenges for you as we leave today first of all is this if you are here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus maybe you're maybe you're here and you're not even sure what this is all about but there's something in your heart where you're just you just know that you need to get right with God today I encourage you don't Ignore that. Respond to that today. And I invite you to come in just a few moments when we close. Others will be coming as well for lots of different things. But if you need to get right with God today, come and pray with one of our prayer teams. They'd love to just lead you in a prayer of surrender to Christ, of recognizing that we fall short of God's standard, but that God has made a way for us to be restored to relationship with him. And I encourage you to do that. My second challenge is for all of us today. And that's this, it takes work to get the word of God from these pages to these pages. But let's be people that are committed to doing what it takes. Maybe it's joining one of our men's promise principle groups. There's a group of guys on Thursday night that meet here every Thursday and they open the word of God together. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You do it together. You just read God's word and you let it speak to you. I challenge you to do your soap just sounds weird doesn't it do your soap do it get the word of God in your heart what are you going to do this week Psalm 119 read Psalm 119 and as you read it pray that God would give you a heart after his word like just like David's amen alright church we love you we believe God's got great things for you this week have an amazing week serving the Lord we will see you back next week as we move, continue to move on this series God bless you Have a great week, serving the Lord.